Every week in staff meeting, our team talks through one part of our mission, vision, and culture. And this portion of the podcast brings you into the room for those awesome messages. Be sure to share this episode with your team and come on, let's grow together. So as I've shared a number of times, no matter um, how I may wish to be wired, no matter how much um, the leadership books and the experts may say um, you should be wired, I can't shake the fact that no matter how I look at church, no matter how I look at ministry, I have a deep, unwavering passion, and I know that Megan shares this with me, for seeing people taking the next steps. It's, um, I'll hoot and holler and celebrate and praise the Lord and be so grateful when someone takes the initial step of making the decision to follow Jesus or just checking out the church or engaging in meaningful conversation around the things of faith. Like, those will mean a great deal to me. I can't help it, though, that it is water baptisms that will bring me to tears. It's somebody engaging in a small group or joining a team or one of the many other things that we do as a church that we would identify as a next step. I I can't help but be moved and driven by those are the things that mean so much to me. And I can't help that that is just how I'm wired. And I don't believe that's by accident. I do believe that this is something that I want to lean into. I want to sort of be comfortable with that, that, you know, I want to be okay that as a church we are driven by helping people make those next steps. Insofar as I would even say that it is an essential, mandatory, non-negotiable requirement of all staff in every position to have the willingness to join us in the obsession with people taking next steps. I'm confident and comfortable enough to say that. It's a leadership quality and truly a mindset that I believe will make a powerful difference in the lives of many. This can't just be theoretical, though. It's very easy to talk around this and talk about how much it means to us and how wonderful it is and make it flowery and, you know, just to be this sort of lofty conversation. It can't just be theory. It has to have legs to it. So a verse I want to point you to is one that every one of you all know. Many of you all know it very well. And this is the parable of the sower. So I'm going to read this, Matthew 13, starting verse 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got, um, he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. A few verses later, Jesus goes on to explain the meaning of the parable to the disciples. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
Now those numbers, 30, 60, and 100, there's an important lesson in here. Of course, I'm not, I don't have an agricultural background, and uh, you know, even if you do, it's certainly not ancient Near East agricultural background. But to get a 30-fold return on your harvest was a good year. If you plant and you faithfully sow and the crop you get back is a 30-fold return, that is a good year. If you get a 60-fold return, that is a once-in-a-lifetime return. That's the kind of return on your, on your crop, on your planting, on your sowing. That is the kind of thing that you would tell your friends about. That is the kind of thing that people would notice. People would come and say, oh my goodness, what happened? That is so startling to get a 60-fold return. It is a once-in-a-lifetime moment that this is the kind of harvest you and your family will experience. But a hundred-fold return... That's what Jesus talked about. A hundredfold return is flat out, no doubt about it, absolutely, complete and utterly impossible. The hundredfold return on a harvest of a sower, sowing seed in that environment with all the tools available to them and the kind of crops they were growing, to get a hundredfold return was absolutely impossible. What the Lord is doing, what He does when His seed finds good soil in the hearts of people is impossible. It's not awesome. It's not good. It's not noteworthy. It's impossible. And that's the attitude I believe that we should have and that we should take from this parable is that when, when, God, when God's word, the seed of God that is sown, when God's word is buried in people's hearts and it's good, fertile soil, impossible things happen. Not just good things, not just powerful things, not just astounding things, but absolutely flat out impossible things happen when God's word finds good soil in the hearts of people. So in the context of next steps, I want to use the, the imagery and the illustration from the parable that the seed is the word of God. That's the initial hearing. And this brings a perspective to us if we think about the initial hearing of the gospel as a first step. That some would respond positively, some others don't understand. But this is a parable about people who have made that first step. That seed has been sown. In our context, that could be that someone has come and checked out a Sunday morning service. They've been a part of an outreach event. They've had a meaningful conversation with a member of our church at work or something like that. But there has been some kind of initial seed sown. They were a part of something where God started something. And I want us to look at this and think about how we can put legs to this whole push and this whole obsession with next steps. So let me revisit Matthew 13, 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message by the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts because a lack of understanding. Our next steps need to help people grow in their knowledge. Knowledge of who God is. Knowledge of how amazing he is. Knowledge of what it means to live with a biblical mindset. Next thing, Matthew 13, verse 20. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. We need to help people on next steps. We need to help people grow in strength. We need to grow in strength so that when problems come, persecution comes, difficulty comes, opposition comes, just like we've read, they stand strong instead of that faith, that precious seed being destroyed. Instead, it continues to bear fruit. We need that strength. Continuing on, verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. We need to have depth. Depth. 
the depth in the word, depth in commitment, depth in understanding, depth in richness, depth in uh, appreciation for who God is, a depth to our faith. Then verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The fourth thing, focus. People to grow in focus of what really matters. Focused on a priority that Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come and made it possible for us to have a healed and whole relationship with him. That focus on him. The world will bring distractions. The world is actually incredible at bringing distractions. And our next steps, we need to help people grow in that focus so that we are locked in on who Jesus is and how wonderful it is that we get to follow him. So we need to help people. There were four things I rattled off. Four things that we can lift from this. Grow in knowledge to grow in strength, to grow in depth, and to grow in focus. That's what our next steps needs to do. And there's a wide range of things that we do, from foundations of faith, to learning to follow Jesus coaching, to life path, to getting on a team, all the things that we're a part of, that we talk about so often in church, all of it needs to help us, help people grow in knowledge, strength, depth, and focus. And what would happen to someone who'd made that first step, who'd heard the message, who the seed had been sown in their hearts. And they were able to take the next step. And in that next steps, they did find that they were growing in knowledge, strength, depth, and focus. Maybe we would start to see that seed find better soil. Most importantly, we would see the impossible return, that hundredfold return happen in more and more in people's lives. Now for us, as you think about this in the context of leadership and building the kind of culture that we believe is essential here at the church, one of the things that we need to observe and we need to recognize in the leaders and the people that work with us is that we need people that are motivated by people engaging in the next step. We need people that that is a driving motivator for them, is that people are growing in that knowledge and that strength and that depth and that focus. That needs to drive the people that are leading our ministry teams. Uh, a long time ago, I shared a, a message at staff meeting about you have to care. You have to care about the things that you're leading. I would say that for everybody that is trusted with leadership here at the church, there has to be a deep care and concern that people are growing in that knowledge and that strength and that depth and that focus in their relationship with God and their relationship with others to find that in Jesus. We also need people that are going to accept this responsibility as their own. They're not going to be waiting for them to do it. Who's them? <laughs> Who is this them of which we speak? But this responsibility is taken on that it is my responsibility that I'm going to help people connect in the next step so that they can grow, so that that seed can fall on good soil and so that we can see the impossible happen in people's lives. Now, I wanted to make this super practical. Like I say, I've, it's very easy to say this and I think it's very easy to talk about it, you know, in lofty theory and so on and so on. I wanted to make this practical. So I've got a few things that we can do that I think are going to help us as we want to live obsessed with next steps. The first thing is, this is boring, but it's helpful, is track accurately. Track accurately. As of today, there have been 239 different people who have made some kind of next step here at the church for the first time. 239 people have either got on the team for the first time, they started Foundations of Faith, they joined a group for the first time, they did something. 239 people did something to engage in a next step for the first time. That's amazing. Like, that is amazing. But this is far much more than just following numbers. This is people. This is people. 
But for us to track numbers, this is important, I'll go into why. But some of the things that are gonna be helpful to us is make sure whenever there's a first serve, let's make sure they're scheduled on planning center. If they didn't accept, let's check it green. If they're there, let's make sure it's green. It means that life group leaders are diligently taking attendance. Learning to follow Jesus coaches are communicating with us by how someone is progressing through the coaching. It means that life path, if there's last minute walk-ins that are coming in, that they're correctly counted in the numbers. Now, the obvious reason is that we look at this number, that 239 number is looked at carefully, pretty much daily. What's not obvious is that anyone that's on that list of people that took the next steps, they're included in that communication. Those are people are included in a lot of the communication we put about what's going on and be a part of this and be a part of that and inviting them to people. Essentially, this is one of the ways that we help people not fall through the cracks. If we know you took a next step, you get special attention. You get special TLC. We make sure you know about things that we want you to know about. If you went through Life Path, you know about stuff that's coming up because we want to let you know, we want to include you in things. If someone is not tracked, the number is not counted, there's a chance they don't get any follow-up. There's a chance they don't hear about things they would otherwise hear about. This is more than just being able to boost the number. This is about us being able to take care of people. So first thing in our obsession, track accurately. Second thing, look for the opportunities. Look for the opportunities. It's become typical for teams everywhere in all sorts of different environments to nod along when we talk about the problems of working in a siloed environment. I think that people have largely accepted that teams within a, a large organization, that them cooperating together and having a level of collaboration is better than people just operating siloed and just worrying about them and their team's objectives, but rather bringing everything together. I've certainly heard people at the church talking about this and talking about how we need to cooperate and work together rather than just be individual departments competing. But one of the ways that we need to make sure we're not subtly siloed is by making it our concern to connect people to a next step when there is no direct benefit to us or our team. When it doesn't affect the objectives that we have, when it doesn't affect our set of responsibilities, there's no overt expectation, there's no accountability for whether you're doing this or not. It's truly just from the overflow of our obsession that we keep finding ways to connect people to a next step that will grow their knowledge, strength, depth, and focus. This looks like Luke, overhearing that one of the worship team's spouses was asking some difficult questions about life and faith. And then Luke makes it his business to try and connect them to learning to follow Jesus. This is Lisa talking to a parent at check-in on Sunday morning. And the parent mentions that their 19-year-old has struggled with faith since graduating out of youth ministry. So Lisa gets on the phone with our 20s, 30s team and gets them to connect with this 19-year-old. It's Michelle remembering that a new person who has entered into planning center a few weeks ago, but we haven't seen them since. So she makes it her priority to give a personal invite to check out our small groups. It's Annie remembering that at a water baptism on Wednesday night, someone brought a friend and that evening the friend had tons of questions and being obsessed and passionate about next steps that drives Annie to take some contact details and send some info the next day. This is meeting someone on a Sunday morning who's brand new to faith and then taking them over to meet Mike Chiz so he can tell them all about foundations of faith and when and how they can sign up. If we're obsessed and passionate about next steps and we embrace the priority that they hold, this is easy and this is natural because there are opportunities everywhere. It may not directly in an obvious way move our individual team forward, it certainly might not get us any credit or acknowledgements, but this is how we change lives. 
We encourage people to grow in their relationship with God, to stretch by connecting to a next step. And that is a driving obsession. Third thing, build a team of inviters. Now, I've spent quite a few minutes over the last two days trying to find out if the word inviter is a real English word. Google has let me down because I still don't know. But here it is, build a team of inviters. This obsession, it needs to spread. When looking to promote people to leadership positions, we should be okay to ask them how they've connected people to next steps. The question of how have you helped people begin the next step is really asking people, are you obsessed with helping people grow in their faith and knowledge, strength and depth and focus with Jesus? An individual with all the gifting in the world has a ceiling. No matter how much gifting someone has, no matter how much talent someone has, there is a limit to their life. There's a limit to their effectiveness. But if any individual is obsessed with helping other people connect and helping other people grow in their faith, suddenly there is no limit to what God can do through the lives of people in our church. Third thing, build a team of inviters. Fourth thing, celebrate every individual. Celebrate every individual. Now, I might eyeball the data on this daily, but I mean it with sincerity. It only matters because those numbers represent people. Our mission statement, as we all know, is to lead individuals. It's not to lead the faceless, nameless crowds, but it's to lead individuals. Jesus didn't die for a spreadsheet. He didn't die for a planning center report. He died for people. And anytime someone takes a next step, I want to celebrate because it could be a step towards someone experiencing that hundredfold impossible return in their lives. Four things, track accurately, look for opportunities, build a team of inviters, and celebrate every individual. And then we will see many, many people grow in knowledge, strength, depth, and focus. Lord Jesus, we want to be obsessed with next steps, not for the sake of the reports, not for the sake of the spreadsheet, but for the sake of precious, precious people that you died for. So that people can know you, they can know your power, they can know your goodness. Lord, that they can truly experience the impossible in their lives. Lord, we don't want this to just be concepts and just be ideas. Lord, we want people to experience the impossible in their lives, experience the freedom that is in you, the peace that is in you, the healed relationship with the Father that is in you. So, Lord, help us, everyone listening to this, help all the leaders of our church, Lord, to be obsessed with helping people connect so that we can help people grow in their faith with you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen.